Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are studying the 26th parak of Sefer Shmuel, and reading this parak, one is struck by just how similar it is to the dramatic events of chapter 24, just two prakim ago. Once again, the people of Ziph inform Shaul of David's whereabouts. Shaul then pursues David once more with 3,000 men. And this time, instead of Shaul delivering himself into David's hands by going into a cave where David is hiding, this time David advances on Shaul. Shaul is sleeping. It's the dead of night. He's surrounded by all of his men who are likewise asleep. And uh, in that moment, when David is right near Shaul, he is once again encouraged to kill or to allow his, his advisors or his men to kill Shaul. David once more says, no, you cannot kill. I will not kill the uh, anointed one of God, and instead he takes Shaul's uh, spear and his flask, and he departs. Last time he took the corner of his garment, this time he takes a spear and a flask. He then calls out. Once he's at a safe distance, he calls out to Shaul and his men. Shaul hears David's voice, and it almost seems to wake him, just like last time, almost seems to wake him out of this uh, state, this this absolute uh, kind of insanity um, and uh, this this fear and power-induced insanity for killing David, hearing his voice wakes him out of that and he says, is that the sound of the voice of my son, uh, David? And again, David says, why are you trying to kill me? Firstly, I'm nobody. Why, I'm, a, I'm a flea. I'm a dog. Why, why is the king wasting his time on trying to kill me? And, and then he says, and look, I have your possessions uh, in my hands. Uh, and that demonstrates the fact that I could have killed you but I uh, did not kill you. So that's proof that I don't have an interest in killing you. And once again, this speech um, uh, leads Shaul to admit his sins, that David is, 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 is right and that Shaul is sinning against him. It's a moment of seeming reconciliation, although in both cases, it doesn't quite mend the relationship. And, and as we'll see, uh, it's, it, it doesn't, doesn't lead to a lasting resolution. Now, since this is essentially the same event that took place two prakim ago, we have to ask ourselves a, a few questions. One, uh, in terms of the characters and what they're thinking, we have to ask, what, what, what is David hoping to accomplish in undertaking this very risky mission once again? What, what does he want to do? What, how is this going to yield a better outcome than what happened last time, which, as we see, didn't really yield much, much of a positive outcome at all? David is right back where he was in the first place, being pursued. And secondly, more kind of literarily, we have to ask ourselves if this is basically a repetition of a previous event. So it's, of course, the, the, the narrative should preserve it and should record it. But does, do we really need all this detail, another full perek, another, what is it, uh, 25 psukim uh, telling us once again, uh, fleshing out the whole narrative? Why do we need all of the detail here? It could have just told us in a few prakim, uh, in a few psukim rather, that this this event basically took place again, and yet again it did not seem to resolve the situation between Shaul and David. So the Medrash actually seeks to answer the first question, and that's what was David thinking? Why was this going to yield any sort of better outcome? And the, the Medrash tells us that following the first encounter in Perak Chavdalad between David and Shaul, so Shaul's men, in the aftermath of that incident, convinced Shaul that it didn't really prove David's innocence or, or the, the innocence of his intentions. Why? Because they told Shaul, look, if, if David killed you in the cave, we would have come in and we would have killed all of David's men. David was trapped in a cave 
and uh, was surrounded. So they would have killed you, and it would have meant certain death for, for David and his people as well. So the fact that he didn't kill you there doesn't really tell you anything, because obviously self-preservation is the highest value. He didn't want to die, so he didn't kill you. Therefore, when we read this parak, we see what, what does David do? How does, he, how does this differ? He takes the spear, he takes the flask of water, and then he goes to a far-off hill. He shows, look, I could have gotten away. I could have escaped, which means I, I could have killed Shaul and gotten away with it. So now you see that, uh, that indeed, it, I didn't spare Shaul last time because uh, it would have meant certain death for me. I spared him because I truly don't want to kill him, and I can prove that now since I've gotten away. And, uh, and that drives home that point, making it abundantly clear, even more clear, that David does not intend to kill Shaul. So that's one way that the Medrash deals with the questions that we are asking, and it helps us understand why David may have undertaken this risky mission yet again, but it doesn't answer the broader kind of literary question, which is why does the Perak give us all of the, the, all of the detail and flesh this out as if we didn't hear about this, you know, virtually the same uh, episode to Prakim earlier. And for that, uh, we need to drill down really carefully on this Perak and look at the subtle differences, right? The similarities are striking and are overwhelming, but there are differences between these two prakim, 24 and 26. And once we pick up on some of those subtleties, we can ask the question, well, why are they different? And the answer to why they are different has to be, it leads us inevitably to, well, what has happened since Perek Chaf Dalad, since chapter 24, and that, that leads us to chapter 25, and that's the story of David Naval and Avigail. And so we can say, look, in 24, David does X. In 26, he does Y. And we can explain that difference using the intervening Perek. So let's take an example of this. In Perek 24, it seems that when David is in the cave with Shaul, he, he is considering, certainly according to some of the Mephorshim, according to the Ralbag in particular, he's considering killing Shaul. And when he decides not to kill Shaul, he then moves on to a plan to disgrace Shaul by cutting the corner of his garment, which we noted is a very, very loaded act. And only as a kind of third thought, the plan C, does David just use the corner of the garment as a kind of proof that he could have killed Shaul. That wasn't plan A uh, or, or, or even plan B. Uh, it was plan C. Here, though, when David goes to Shaul's encampment, he goes to take the spear and the flask. It's, it seems clear that David's plan is always, with perfect clarity, the plan is always to take something that shows, that can demonstrate that he was proximate, that he was right next to Shaul, so he can prove that he once again had the ability to kill Shaul, but did not. Meaning, his plan A in this instance was his plan B or perhaps his plan C in the other one. And it's a, it's a, it's a much more a kind approach uh, vis-a-vis Shaul. Obviously, it's not killing him. It's not even disgracing him. It's just trying to prove this point in, in a little bit more of a gentler way. And the question would be, so, okay, so how do we account for that difference? So now let's look at the intervening parak. What happens? So We'll look, let's look at the language. This is a, a note that I that I um, that I read from Rabbi Amnon Rabbi Amnon Bazak, who I've been quoting quite a bit of late. In this parak, David tells uh, his men Avishai, "I'm not going to kill Shaul. Why? Ki im Hashem 
Yigafenu, because the Lord will smite him. And that is a, a clear allusion. It, 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 it echoes what we heard in the previous parak when Hashem kills Amnon, right? David wanted to kill, excuse me, not Amnon. When David wanted to kill Naval, and he ultimately is, his anger is, he's assuaged, he, he doesn't kill Naval. And then we learn, Vayigof Hashem at Naval. The Lord smote Naval. And perhaps David is learning or has learned in that perek uh, the important lesson that he doesn't need to go and, and be the, the vehicle to go and kill people. People who are evil and are deserving of punishment, Hashem is going uh, to, to, to kill that person. So we could say that maybe that's what softens David's approach here. He's not even considering killing Shaul because he now, after the, the encounter with Naval, he's learned that Hashem will be the one to mete out that justice. That, that's, uh, that's how Rabbi Bazak pieces together uh, these, two, uh, these two narratives and, and this literary illusion, Kim Hashem, Yigafenu, and Vayigof Hashem et Naval. I think there's another way to, to put it together, and it's, it's a little bit of a radical suggestion, but, but a thought. And that is that in last parak, David also kind of, he, he was kind of the Shaul character of last parak, right? He was the one with the power, with the army, pursuing someone who he sensed uh, as, having, uh, uh, as having disparaged him, as having belittled him, as uh, making him feel perhaps insecure, whatever the case may be, he's pursuing Naval. And, and uh, in the same way that Shaul is pursuing David, it's, it's not exactly the same, but Shaul also is the one in power and he's feeling, uh, he's feeling threatened by, by David and perhaps belittled by, David, by David's very presence. And so uh, in a certain respect, David kind of takes on that persona at last parak, and, and unless, uh, if not for Abigail's intervention, David could have fallen into this very trap of using his power to now kind of uh, crush this, uh, this, this opposition. So maybe David, uh, in that moment, th- through the episode of Last Parak, almost learns how, uh, how dangerous it is to be in a position of power. And maybe through that, he, he becomes uh, more compassionate towards Shaul. He has a, a deeper understanding for what, what is really plaguing Shaul now. It's, just a, it's, a, it's something that I've considered, so I'll put it out for you. But Certainly, I think it's very uh, convincing as a general kind of uh, methodological way of figuring out, well, why do we have this whole parak? So you have to look at the differences between this parak and parak uh, Chafdalid, and then I think you need to use the, the intervening parak, parak Chafhei, uh, uh, the story of Naval, David, and Avigail, to try and explain those differences. I think it's a very powerful tool. I'll leave it for you to consider. Definitely a lot of careful work to be done there. And I leave it for you to do it. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.